You know, we've been singing praises to the Lord, and we've been exalting his name, and for good reason. It's because of a loving God that those of us who are horrible sinners could find love that is beyond our comprehension, could find forgiveness, not because God turned his back on our sinfulness, but because in the person of Jesus Christ, our sin was paid for so that through faith in him, and that is the requirement, there has to be an acceptance of Christ personally. And when we trust him, that sacrifice of Christ becomes applied to our hearts and lives so that our sins are cleansed. And in the eyes of the Father, they are removed as far as the east is from the west. And he will remember them no more. Yes, he is omniscient. He knows all. And so in his omniscience, there is nothing that escapes his memory. But from the point of view of a judge, our sins will be remembered no more. And it's all because of Jesus Christ. That's why we've been singing praises to him this morning. That's why we we exalt him in all that we do. And there's another dimension of that. When we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally as our Savior, a change takes place within us. There is what the Bible refers to as regeneration, a new life that is born in a soul and spirit that is dead in trespasses and sins, and the new life thus brings new behavior. So when a person comes to know Christ as Savior, there's evidence. It can be seen. You you can tell there's a difference in a person. And there will be changes in desires, and there will be changes in in every dimension of our lives. In some cases, it will be very dramatic, simply because of a person's lifestyle that has been changed by the regeneration that's been provided in the person of Christ. For others, it may not be quite so dramatic because perhaps they came to know Christ as Savior at a very young age. They were under the authority of their parents and their behavior was regulated that way. And so you, you may not see the same dimension of change, but there's going to be a change. And that change is going to be received with open arms, or it should be, because as the, the one hymn writer put it, there's, there's basically nothing we can ever do to repay the debt that we owe to God for the love that he has shown to us through the person of Jesus Christ. But the reality is there is a debt that can be paid in our relation to one another. And so we've been looking at that, the, the different dimensions of that debt for several weeks now as we've come to this 12th chapter of the book of Romans. And we learned early on that part of the, the change that takes place really involves our ministering to one another. Before you come to know Christ as Savior, you cannot do a spiritual ministry on behalf of someone else. But after we trust Christ, The Lord tells us he has given us a gift, a spiritual gift that we can use for the building up of the body of Christ, and that puts me in debt. It means that I owe you an effective ministry. Then he tells us more. 
He tells us that there is a, a dimension of love that is beyond our comprehension that he has shown to us that now needs to be reflected through our lives, the love of God that has been shed abroad within our hearts, that now we extend to one another so that our love is genuine It is a sincere love, it's not hypocritical, and we genuinely care for the well-being of one another. Now, you hate to put that in the realm of an IOU, but that's exactly what it is. So, IOU, sincere love. And then the Lord tells us that through our lives, there are decisions we have to make to hate what is evil, to love what is good, to embrace what is good, and as a result of doing that, we give an example to one another of the way we should live. We move away from that which is evil, we embrace that which is good. Now, I owe you that kind of an example. And then the Lord tells us that there is a dimension of love that goes even to a different segment of the agape love that he has given to us. And he tells us that there is a brotherly love, a a care for one another as friends. And so another dimension of what I owe you arises. And and I owe you the the friendship, the, 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 the phileo, the brotherly love, that God intends to be demonstrated through the way I act towards you. When we come to this 10th verse, you'll find that the division that takes place in the middle really divides two different elements to us. And now we come to the fifth part of IOU. You know what? We're in a lot of debt, aren't we? We, This is a lot of debt, but it's all good debt. There's, there's stuff that I owe you that's really good. And I want you to look with me uh, again, if you will, please, to Romans, the 12th chapter, and the 10th verse, where we're told this. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, so that we have this devoted friendship to each other. And then he says, in being preference to one another. Now we come to this fifth. I owe you primary Honor. I owe you a perspective that exalts you above myself. When we talk about this, we, we want to understand what the honor is involved. It's to give one another deference, reverence, esteem, respect, appreciation. And and quite frankly, the definition goes on and on from there. But it means this. It means that I comply with the pattern that was established by the Lord Jesus Christ when he had the mind that did not grasp equality with the Father. Now, please understand this. He did not diminish his deity when he became a man but he diminished the free exercise of that deity in the realm of humanity, and he gave up for a time the glory that he had with the Father before he was incarnate. And so he allowed himself to become a servant. He allowed himself to take upon himself the form of a servant. And he humbled himself 
to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now let me ask you this. Who's greater, you or Christ? It's not, I, th- that's a silly question. There's just no question about the answer. Christ is the greatest. And yet he humbled himself to die in your place and in my place so that we could be forgiven and we could be granted freely the gift of eternal life. Now he says, let this mind be in you. This isn't a matter of capability. It's not a matter of intelligence. It's not a matter of power. It's not a matter of authority. It's not a matter of any of those issues that we would look at from a human perspective and say, this is what we should aspire to. No. This is an issue that says this. Because of the pattern of Christ, not to earn forgiveness to earn eternal life, but to recognize that because of Christ's humility, he makes it incumbent upon me as a follower of him to take the same attitude that looks at you with deference, that puts you on a higher plane than myself. It really goes hand in hand with the love that we have for one another because it means that the things that I do are really designed for the purpose of your good. They are designed for your benefit. And sometimes that may require sacrifice. But I do that because of the love of God that has been shed abroad in my heart. And now what I do is I give you primary honor. Um. This word that is used here is the same word that is used of our giving reverence to God the Father. Do we reverence Him? We were singing this morning. Holy, holy, holy. Is that what we sang? Holy, holy, holy. Lord, Lord God Almighty, we lift his name because it's holy. And he tells us to honor him and uses the same word to honor others. It is the same word that is used for our honoring the Lord Jesus as our Savior. It is the same word that is used when the scriptures tell us to honor the king. Is that making it a little harder? Makes it a little tougher, doesn't it? And by the way, I would remind you, regardless of your political views, the leader of our country deserves to be honored. You may not agree with everything that he does, but he deserves honor because he holds the position that God has given him. And then pray like crazy. Oh, pray for the next election. And whoever's elected, honor him. Or her. That same word is used of a husband honoring his wife Now, ladies, don't be offended by this. This is what the Scripture says. 
to honor your wife as the weaker vessel. And I think that that's a specific reference to the physical capabilities. Because in many cases, women seem to have a stronger spiritual inclination than men do often. Uh, I don't understand all the reasons for that, but the evidence seems to bear out. But here's what I do know. Most of the time, a man is stronger than his wife. And he is to honor her in spite of that physical capability. Children are told to honor their parents. By the way, when does that end? I don't believe it ever ends. It doesn't mean that you're under their authority all the time. When you begin your own home, now you come into another realm of authority where under Christ, the husband becomes the leader within the home. Oh, did I say that? Yes, I did, because that's what the Bible says. And then the wife, and then the children, and the children are to honor both mother and father as they would honor the Lord. But I don't believe we ever get to the place where we stop honoring our parents. Do you know what I would suggest? Kids, when it's time for you to get married, okay, and there are other singles at other places, if your parents are alive, you ask them what they think about your getting married. Do you know that I have that on my application form for performing weddings? And I'll tell you this right now. If parents are opposed to the wedding, we ought not go through with it. (laughs) There there is one. (laughs) Amen. And some of you are probably sitting there saying, my parents opposed our wedding. Well, it's too late now. No, I I didn't mean that in a, in a humorous way. It is too late now, and now the person with whom you are married, that is the person God intends for you to stay with for life. Okay? So I don't want there to be any confusion about that. But you should honor your parents. It's the same word that's used of servants honoring their masters within our culture. There no longer exists, at least not legally, the relationship of the servant with the master, but there is the relationship of the employee with the employer, and that means you honor your employer no matter how stinky he or she may be. Are we, are we on track here? Do we, do we understand what God is talking about? Honor one another in such a way that we hold others up above ourselves. This is not the natural way to think. You all understand that, right? The pattern of this age is very different from compliance with that directive that we read here in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And we're given to honor one another in opposition to the natural way that we feel. How do people generally feel? One, we naturally are greedy and self-centered. Right? Right? Okay. 
just, I, I need to be sure that you're still with me on this. Because um, how many times have you heard little children who are on a playground and there's something with which they can play and they all yell out, Me second! They yell out, Me first, right? The natural way of thinking is, I'm going to push myself front, forward. I'm going to be number one. Uh, I'm first. I'm first. Um, If you have trouble identifying with that, think about church dinners. Have you ever noticed how there's always some who kind of edge toward the beginning of the line before we... <laughs> Yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? The, uh, I really try not to, but I wind up doing it anyway. Um, you, you edge toward the front of the line, and then as soon as the prayer's over, you're the first. You're the first. The natural man says, me... First, the natural man says this, I know myself, and I am really a nice person. I am basically very good in the things that I do. I really behave myself, but quite honestly, I haven't seen that in you. You are not nearly as nice as I am. Because I've seen you make mistakes. And I've seen you do things that you ought not to have done. And I know myself. I am really nice. Why in the world should I honor you? In addition to that, the world looks at things through the eyes of the deep intents of our hearts. Here's what I know. I know that when I do things and I say things, I really mean well. Now, I'm often misunderstood. Are you ever misunderstood? Yeah, even, even though you mean well. But here's something else that I'm pretty sure of. You don't always mean well. I have a pretty good idea that what it is that's motivating you is not necessarily for the good. Therefore, I'm not going to hold you in high esteem. I'm not going to honor you. I'm not going to treat you with deference because here's what I know. I want to be first. I don't want to be second. I don't want to be third. I know that I'm a good person even though God says there's none good. But I know that I'm a good person. And, and I know that by heart, I mean well. But then, in addition to that, I will recognize in you things that are very, very different from the way they are in me. I will judge... You never say this to yourself, but this is how it comes down. I will judge myself more graciously than I judge you. You know that the Lord gives us a very, very clear warning about that in this same book. Turn back to the second chapter 
of Romans. And look with me at the first verse where Paul captures the real issues related to our hearts. He says this in Romans 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Wait a minute. That is not true. That's not accurate. I know you. You gossip. I share prayer requests. Let me give you a list of these. You are snobbish and unfriendly. I am selective and shy. You are unfaithful and uncommitted. I am busy and overcommitted. You are hateful and angry. I am righteously indignant. You are greedy and I'm a good steward and frugal. You are critical. I'm just transparently honest. You are a manipulator. I form strategies. You are a busybody. I am well informed. You are lustful. I'm just full of life. You are unforgiving. I am cautious. Did any of that strike a chord? Have you ever looked at somebody else and felt that they are guilty of some of those sinful behaviors, yet you yourself if you honestly evaluated your own conduct, would have to say the same thing about yourself, but in order to protect yourself, you just add different names to it. You are angry. I am righteously indignant. (laughs) That is the way natural people think. And until you come to know Christ as Savior, that is the natural portion that engulfs your thinking so that you behave in a way that does not honor others. But what happens when a person comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior? Now, there is a renewed way of thinking. Life becomes very, very different. And in this renewed way of thinking, here are the conclusions we come to. I know I am sinful. I have been in violation of God's holy standard. I have been behaving in ways that even embarrass myself. I have said things I ought not say. I have done things I ought not do. I have gone to places I ought not be. 
I have entertained myself with entertainment that should not be part of my thinking. I have done this and this and this. Oh, my friend, I have to look at you with honor. Because I know me. And by the way, this is not just a pastor unloading. This is a man saying, I know this to be true. Do you understand? The renewed way of thinking says, I can't read your motives. I don't know what's going on in your heart. But here's what I know. There are times that I do things that look really, really good. But there is something else other than just righteousness motivating me to do what I just did that you think is so good. But inside, I know that my motives have not been what they should be. I don't know your motives. So I can't judge you. But I can judge me. And I know that there are times when I've done things that you would look at and you would say, boy, that is really special. He does some really, really nice things. And sadly, behind it, there's often the desire for recognition, the hope that there might be some influence, And I have to look at my own motives and say, what the heck are you doing? That's not right. Um, This morning in our prospective members class, we were dealing with the issue of uh, uh, the responsibilities of church members. And one of the responsibilities to the church is the financial support of the church. And I've taken a position, and I think I've shared this with you. uh, I do not know anything other than a total of what our offerings are. I'm given a, a number with a total, and I'm reminded of what our budget is, and it's broken down so I know how much is given to missions and how much is given for benevolence and, and things of that nature. So, so I know the total. But I do not want to know what any individual is giving. Do you know Why? Because in me, I can do things with the wrong motives. And if I know that somebody is extremely generous with their giving, the tendency, naturally, is to say, that person's opinion matters a little bit more than this person over here. Are you, are you embarrassed to hear me say that? Because it's true. I don't want to know. Because I know what can enter the natural mind, and I don't want to operate on the natural level. I want to be living on a supernatural level with a renewed mind that is not subject to that sort of thing. So I have to guard against it. Now I'm giving you a, a look way down deep inside. Do you all understand that? Do you know what that does? That makes it a whole lot easier for me to honor you. 
because I know what's going on in there. And there is no temptation taken me but such as is common to man. So I have a pretty good idea. We all would have a problem with that. I don't always act as I should. There are probably times from the pulpit I don't act as I should. There are times in interpersonal relationships I don't act as I should. You know, it's hard to be acting like a grown-up. Although today would be an easy day to tell you this. This body is getting old. Oh, man. Debbie told me, I I was having a hard time getting up out of the pew today. And she said, I'll push you. (laughs) I can always count on my wife. But up here, I still feel like a little kid. I really do. Do do you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. As you get older, the body begins to experience all of the the breakdown of old. And then the head still says, you know what? Uh, you, You can trick that person. I love doing that to little kids. I love fooling little kids. I do the old finger thing, you know. And some of you right now, I know what you're saying. Do that again. Okay. Okay. So uh, I take my finger off. Okay. Do you guys want to see that again? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. See? Is that cool? Yeah. That's that's cool. Um, Should a 66-year-old man be doing something like that? Sure. Okay. Some of you are saying that's okay. But you know what? That's really not mature. And I don't always do the things I should. And, and I'm using maybe a, a lighthearted example. But, but you all know what I'm saying. You can take that into some of the dark areas of life where we don't do the things that we should. And here's something else I know. I know that for you who profess Jesus Christ as your Savior... He has made a new creature out of you. And you are very, very special in his sight. Do you think I want to mess with you? Do you think I want to treat you with dishonor? You are a child of God if you know Christ. You don't mess with God's children. I see the grace that God has given to you. And oftentimes you treat me a whole lot more kindly than I deserve. And I ought to treat you a whole lot more kindly than I have often done. Because I see God's grace working in you. And you have a place in this body. And you are an important part of this body, because God says you are. He says he has given to those who make up the body, in a local congregation, he has given them the giftedness. Not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a foot, but we have different gifts so that we can all work together for the building up of the body of Christ. 
You think I want to mess that up? You say, well, Pastor, I've, I've seen you mess it up. Yep. And you understand that that's why I can give you more honor because I really blow it. Jesus said that we are to have the same mind that he had. By the way, this does not, I just thought of this, this does not imply that you are to look at yourself in a degrading fashion. All the Lord says is this, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think soberly. You all are important to God. You all have capabilities. You all deserve honor. But think soberly is not to say this. If I am to honor you, I have to think of myself as nothing. No. Think soberly. Be real. I am a sinner. I often blow it. I know you're one of God's children. I know that he loves you as much as he loves me, and he tells me I am to honor you. Therefore, I'm not running myself into the ground, but I am approaching you with humility. And what I recognize is how important you are. By the way, when I have used the pronoun you, and when I've used the pronoun me and I, we can change that. Do you get it? That's all for you too. It's all for you too. Do you know what's really great about being in debt to one another? We can live the way Christ intends for us to live. Let's stand. Father, it would be my prayer that those who don't know Christ as Savior would sense within their own heart the reality of their dire circumstances. They are not your children. Their sins have not been forgiven. And their eternal destiny is to be cast ultimately into the lake of fire that was prepared for Satan and his demons. But Father, we're thankful that your love is so great that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, he paid the penalty for our sin. And when we trust him, we pass from death into life. When we repent and turn away from our sin and toward our Savior and receive him, he freely gives us the gift of eternal life. And for this, we thank you. Father, we never could have come up with such a great plan. And then as your children, I pray that we would embrace the debt that we owe. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.